If you are on our email list, then you would have received an email from me a couple of days ago saying that I really hope that you bring your Bible. Uh, and we are going to look at some scriptures this morning that I want you, I just so badly want people to see. I'm going to show you a bunch of scriptures on the screen as well, but we're going to look at some things from John 17. Uh, and you can open your Bibles if you want. There's, see, there's Bible under, uh, Bibles underneath the seats. And you can turn to John 17 now if you want to. We'll be there in a bit. It's on page 765 if you're looking at the Bibles uh, underneath the seats. We are continuing our new series on Eternity is Now in Session, a book by John Ortberg. And really, all we're doing is using Ortberg as kind of a, uh, a motivation or an impetus for us to begin to think about some things. And I'm excited about this. I think that God is going to bless us richly through the kind of things that Ortberg wants to show us. And really, these are things I think that God wants to show us from His Word. You'll remember that last week, we looked at the very end at this kind of question. What is everlasting life? What's eternal life? And this certainly is a major theme in Ortberg's book. If you, if you are one of those who picked up the book, and, and by the way, I encourage you to do so. Uh, Eternity is now in session is the name of the book, John Ortberg. Uh, make sure that you don't buy the participant's guide. Uh, you could, I suppose, if you want, but, it's, uh, but really what you need to, to, to do is to buy the book. I haven't seen the book itself in anything other than a hardcover. So if you, if you see something that's soft cover, it's, chances are you're looking at the participant's guide, and I really encourage you to get the, uh, the book itself. So what I'm going to do this morning, there's the question on the screen, and I'm going to do two things. I'm going to talk a bit about eternal, and I'm going to talk about life. Uh, we're going to do them in reverse order, though, partially because we've talked about life before, and I want this to be a little bit of a refresher. And so, you know this word, I hope. Now, some of you might look at that and say, well, that's somebody's name, Zoe. In fact, is there anybody in here who has a name, either Zoe or a middle name Zoe, or a distant relative named Zoe, or at least a friend named Zoe, or at least you heard the name Zoe? Okay, very good. All right, good. I'm connecting. It's nice to know. So we've got this word Zoe, and you may or may not know, well, in fact, I've got a New Testament scholar sitting over here. Stan Helton's here from ABC Bible College, uh, Alberta Bible College, and I, I don't even have to question whether or not he knows the word Zoe. Stan, what does the word Zoe mean? Life. It means life. Yeah, it means life. But it doesn't mean life like blood going into a cell and giving that cell Life. It doesn't mean the same thing as bios. In fact, the best scripture, I think, for describing what zoe really means is to look at John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so zoe is not just I'm alive, okay, like I was in a car accident and I lived through it, I'm still alive. But instead, zoe is like I am alive. Like when the weather gets good and it stops snowing, I'm alive. And so yesterday I went out and I did a bunch of work around the house in the morning because it got cooler in the afternoon. But right in the morning it was cold, or it was warm. It was cold later. It was warm in the, in the beginning. The sun was out. I went out and swept the driveway, did some things. And I, as I'm doing that, I was thinking, man, this feels good. It's so nice to be out here. And, and life is like that when you are feeling alive. And so Zoe means life. Not just life, but life. Okay, so Zoe is not this. This is bios. This is like I'm alive, blood in my cells. Zoe 
is like this. Okay? Zoe is like skydiving. Skydiving. You seized life. I, I was reading a, a story in the last couple of weeks about a guy who on his, what was his, 97th birthday or something like that, decided he wanted to go skydiving. Like you'd think the pressure from the wind would break his bones or something. I, but yeah, like he, he skydived, skydove. He did one of them when he was uh, in his late 90s, which is just amazing. Dell, there you go. Dell Asen could do this. He could skydive in his 90s. And I want to be there to see it. So these people are living life. So is this girl. <laughs> Completely different kind of experience. But sometimes, sometimes I've had things happening. It wasn't so good. You know, things were, you know, you stub your toe. And I think to myself, at least I feel it. I'm alive. Things are good. Same kind of thing. A little bit more. And then you wonder about what's going on here. Well, we're going to stretch ourselves a little bit this morning by kind of going in this direction, first of talking about life and then eternal life. I want to say a few things about life. And here is something that I think the Bible says about life and even about eternal life. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That is interesting. That is certainly a bit of a different take on the notion of life. This isn't bios, and this isn't even just my exuberance. What does that passage say is life? What does that passage say is the eternal life? Doesn't it say that it's Jesus? Doesn't it say that it's the one who's appeared? That we saw and we heard and we can touch? John is doing something here which is pretty typical actually of John. In talking about Jesus himself in terms of being life. And you know yourself, this isn't the only time that Jesus does, or that John does this kind of thing in terms of talking about who Jesus is. Now what this does, interestingly enough, is it changes, I think, the way that we read some passages. Like, for example, this one. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, clearly, he's not talking about bios. He is talking about a special kind of life that we receive in Jesus and links that life directly to our connection to Jesus. Like, our relationship with Jesus, our oneness with Jesus, our knowing Jesus is, in fact, defined as life. So life, as part of eternal life, doesn't just mean eternal existence in heaven when we die, like I'm alive eternally. 
Instead, life is defined specifically by my connection to Jesus, who is, in fact, life. So that life is connection to Christ, relationship to Jesus, oneness with Jesus. And that's fulfillment, John says in John 10.10 when he says, this is the abundant life. So I think we just defined life a bit differently than we sometimes think of it. But man, I think we did so biblically. Like according to the Gospel of John, I think we've nailed what life is. Life is Jesus and connection with Him. When Jesus is in you, life is a possibility. When there is no connection between yourself and Jesus, zoe is not a possibility for you, it seems to me. And life is in fact defined by that relationship. Now, what John does in addition to that, and he does this in John 17. So look there. You've already turned there. But if you haven't, again, it's on page 7, what did I say, 65? Yeah. If you're, not, if you're in the Bibles under these seats, it's on page 765. But in John 17, here's something else, a little bit of a twist on this that I absolutely love. And I think it's fair to say that what we're going to read is a definition offered by Jesus for eternal life. And so John 17, 1 says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now that's exciting because that means... Jesus is passing on eternal life to all those that have been given to him. I think that might mean the apostles, but we're going to see in a few moments that it's broader than that. And look at verse 3. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Wow. Wow. What's eternal life? Eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And so eternal life is not just my reception of forgiveness, the forgiveness of my sins, my purity, and then the chance I have when I die from this earthly body and move on to receive something at the end. Instead, eternal life is something that I experience right now. Because I already have a chance to know God. I'm already in relationship with God. I know who God is. And eternal life, Jesus says, is to know God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Well, Jesus isn't the only one to say things like this. This is Paul. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation... That's interesting. So that you may know him better. The italics are mine. But I think that's an important line. So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, more knowledge, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Now this is Paul praying for the Ephesian church. And I think that if Paul was praying for the Calvary Church of Christ, that he would pray the same thing. 
and that he would be saying to us, so that you may know him better. Because he would say that is, in fact, eternal life. That's what God wants for us. Philippians 3, I want to know Christ. Notice Paul doesn't say here, I want to be saved from my sins and go to heaven. Now, he could say that. He would say that. He said that other places. But here he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Notice how resurrection is linked directly with knowing Christ. We experience, he says, even his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. We know Christ so much. We identify with Christ so much. And Paul says, this is what I want. His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may... Look at this line. I love this. This is Peter, not Paul, but it's so beautiful what Peter says. You may participate in the divine nature. That's not the same thing as me having my sins forgiven so that I can get out of here and go to heaven and be with God. This is Peter saying that we have the possibility now for knowing God in such a way that we participate in his divine nature. Now, I don't want to go too far with this. I'm not going to become God. But there is clearly a connection between myself and the Almighty One that God, He's embracing me, bringing me into relationship, allowing me to be one with Him. The Eastern Orthodox Church describes this using the word theosis. And that notion is is that there is a, a coming together of God and His Spirit and my spirit. Paul would describe this as saying something like, and the Holy Spirit intercedes with our spirits with groanings too deep for words. There's a connection between ourselves and God that takes place because God has given us Christ and allows us through Christ to have this kind of relationship with him. So we ask the question, when do we start participating in the divine nature? It's not just when we die. Right now, I have a chance to know God to the point that there is a coming together of my heart and His. A linking by the Spirit between my spirit and God's Spirit to the point where I start to be one with Him. I don't know how much I'm going to become one with Him. In my own life, I struggle with this. I'm sure you do too. How much am I like God and how much I... Am I just like any old sinful human being? But nonetheless, the chance is there. The opportunity is there. In fact, the reality is there of God bringing us into relationship with Him in a way that we seldom think of, pursue, anticipate, and yet it's ours. Now, lest you think I'm going too far with this, Look at this passage in John 17. You're already in John 17. Look at this one. And I want you to notice that this starts with these words, 
my prayer is not for them alone. When Jesus says that, my prayer is not for them alone, he's, he's just said, I'm not just praying, Father, for the apostles, for the 12 that have been with me. And so he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that? We are. We're the ones who are going to believe through their message. That all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And so there's a Trinitarian kind of oneness that Jesus is praying for might be ours. We're supposed to be closer with each other than what we sometimes allow for. This is Jesus praying for our unity. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. In him, in them. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. If we have complete unity, it's because Christ is in us. It's like Christ is in one Christian, Christ is in another Christian, and these two are united together because Christ is in both, connecting them together. Then the world will know that you sent me to love them even as you've loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. He wants us someday to go to heaven, whatever that is, by the way. We'll define that at some point. He wants us to be with him in that kind of eternal relationship. This doesn't in any way negate that. He's just saying that this can be ours now. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you've sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order... And look, just think of this. We have been given the chance to know God through Jesus in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Wow. That is so much different than get me out of here, Lord, and take me to heaven. He wants to be in us so that eternal life is not defined quantitatively. Like it's not, eternal life is not like eternal life. It's not defined chronologically so that it's just more life. It's defined qualitatively by the relationship that a person has with Jesus. Our oneness with God, with His Son, and His Spirit. That's really what eternal life is. And we can have that now. That kind of... Eternal life can be ours. Well, that means that heaven and salvation and eternal life are not for the future. I mean, in some sense they are. But they're really for now. It starts now. Especially in the Gospel of John, it starts now. There's a story told. Some of you know uh, who Dallas Willard is. We've had Dallas Willard uh, on film before. He was, in fact, John Ortberg's dear friend. Willard was Ortberg's mentor. And so when John Ortberg is writing his book, he, numerous times he refers to Dallas Willard. And Willard was a spiritual giant of our time. 
wrote a number of books that, that really brought people closer to God. About four or five years ago, Dallas Willard died of cancer. In fact, we, the film series that we watched uh, two years ago or so uh, in Bible class was filmed just before his death. Dallas Willard, before he died, used to talk to Ortberg and he would say this. He would say, I'm not sure if I'm going to know when I die. Now, in one sense, that makes total sense. I don't think I'm going to know when I die either. I'm not, after I'm dead, I'm not going to go, oh, I'm dead. I don't think. Or will I? Because if I'm alive, I could reflect on that. And what Dallas Willard said is, I'm not sure I'm going to know when I have gone from this life to the next. And the reason why is because I already enjoy the fellowship with God that God wants for me here. I'm already in relationship with Him. I'm already fellowshipping with Him. I'm already one with Him. I already am in love with Him. He's already living in me. So if I have this full Zoe life in God now, then will I even know when I die if I'm just going from life to life? By the way, I, I shared this in Bible class a, a few weeks ago. As Willard was dying, he said twice, audibly, as he was going, he said, thank you. Thank you. And then he died. To whom was he saying thank you? To the one that was ushering him in? Maybe ushering him into a banquet? Zoe then begins for us now. And it would be so much my prayer this morning that all of us would get this. That we would understand that Jesus wants us to experience this kind of life, this abundant life in Him now. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect. When I was when I was speaking in the first service and I was saying these words and talking about life and, you know, life, I looked out and, and Jordan and Carrie were sitting there. I thought, how are they going to receive this when I say to them, let's have life? But the fact is that this kind of life I'm talking about, I think it transcends those things that we experience in life that are not so good. And there are some times when even the hard experiences end up being those that show us that we are indeed alive. And especially when God brings his peace and comfort because of the relationship that we have with him that restores us and gives us life, even in the midst of tragedy. And so I pray this for us. I encourage you again, by the way, to get Ortberg's book. See what he has to say about what it means for life to transcend life and for life to be defined eternally as something uh, that is not defined quantitatively but qualitatively. Let me say one last thing. The kingdom of God, which we've talked a lot about around here, like, we make a lot of references to the kingdom of God. We talk about the kingdom of God. About four years ago or so, I preached for six months on the kingdom of God. 
And this notion of kingdom of God is really at the forefront of a lot that's driving evangelical Christianity right now. People asking the question, what is the kingdom of God? And, and how does the kingdom of God play out among us? The kingdom of God is not equated with heaven so that we enter the kingdom at the end of our earthly lives. And we sometimes think that. Well, I want to enter heaven, the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to the kingdom of heaven. It's not a realm. It's not a place. It's not a group of people. The kingdom of God is the dynamic of God's presence among his people. The kingdom of God is God's reign, his influence, and his impact. That's what the kingdom is. And so we begin to live life in the kingdom here now because God, through his influence and impact, is living within us, transforming us, and then, oh God, do it prayerfully, transforming the world through us. We want this to be the case. I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We have it right now. Let's pray. Lord, I am so grateful for you coming and living within us, being present in our lives, allowing us to be so one with you that the, the earthly, fleshly, sinful part of us that's been there for so long is eradicated by your presence that you transform us and change us and unite us together with you in an intense fellowship of love and unity. Help us, God, to live out this new life that we have in you. Help us to live it out today. Especially sinful part of us that's been there for so long is eradicated by your presence that you transform us and change us and unite us together with you in an intense fellowship of love and unity. Help us, God, to live out this new life that we have in you. Help us to live it out today uh, as, as emissaries of the king in this kingdom. Help us to live it out. We pray through Christ. Amen. As, as emissaries of the king in this kingdom, help us to live it out. We pray through Christ. Amen.